Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and uh, we've got our old buddy, our old coffee pal, Scott Lizakowski here with us uh, today. And, and Scott, you're actually, in, uh, you're actually in Toronto today instead of Vancouver. That's right, in, in town for some, uh, our strategy session, quarterly strategy session, and I was, I was really uh, worried about the humidity and that my, uh, my West Coast, uh, you know, softness is, uh, was, was going to be disrupted by this uh, warm weather, but it's actually pleasantly nice outside here, so I'm, I'm surprised and, and happy that the, I'm not sweating in my suit as I walk around downtown Toronto. Although um, they, they can't see it, but your hair is kind of frizzy. You, you don't look as sharp as you normally do when you're out on the West Coast. The humidity uh, I'll chalk that up to a, an early start and still being on West Coast time and a long day. But There, there you go. Well, you, you, you think you've had it hard. You know what my double header is today? I, uh, I had a dentist appointment this afternoon, and tonight I'm going to the Barbie movie. So, oh, wow. Uh, so you got your pink yeah. shirt on. Yeah, not... Uh, not really sure what's going to be more painful, um, but uh, there, there, there you go. Have you seen the Barbie movie yet? I have not seen the Barbie movie. I have, I have two young kids, but it's, it's, uh, it's. I think they're a bit young for it. So uh, I, once we get through uh, recording this podcast, I, uh, I'm going to be uh, taking in a Jays game this evening. Oh yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah, looking looking forward to that. Say uh, say hi to my daughter when you see her. She's at the game as well, so she uh, she looks like me with long hair, and and no beard. I should make that 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 clear. Okay, well let's get um, let, let's get into it because you you are doing a, a big presentation tomorrow uh, about Canada t- in in your in your strategy meetings. So it's a perfect time to catch up with you, uh, and you're going to start with kind of a review of Canada in the first half of the year. And if we're looking at Canadian markets, a little not not a, not a fantastic. First, first half, but how does it really stack up when you look at the numbers? Yeah, so Canada, I'd say on its own, you know, uh, we have this not so much for the first half, but maybe to uh, near the end of July, or even if we look at it year to day, Canada is up roughly 8% or just over 8%, which is pretty good for, for half a year. Uh, I think where you would be disappointed is, you know, Canada's uh, performance relative to other equity markets where you have the S&P 500, I think year to date, it's up... Um, 18% or something like that. So Canada is, is, is really lagged behind. And of course, the NASDAQ is the, is the, is the big performing market uh, up over 30%. So, so it's, you know, maybe in absolute terms, it's a, it's a decent result uh, for half a year, but um, uh, relative to other markets, um, it, it's been a bit disappointing. Uh, the, the drivers of that relative performance that we've talked about all the time is, is the composition uh, the best performing sectors so far this year have been technology um, and, you know, Canada's uh, tech sector, the Canadian technology stocks have done really well. Uh, I have uh, Canadian technology stocks up 50% uh, year to date to, uh, to at least the, to the middle of July. Um, but, but I think the U.S. has a lot more technology uh, stocks or has more exposure to the technology sector and U.S. tech stocks have done better than that than Canadian tech stocks. And then even though Canadian energy stocks have done better than the US, um, we we just have more energy in our benchmarks. So, um, you know, that's the relative underperformance has been uh, somewhat disappointing, but understandable given sort of uh, where we are in, in, in the, uh, the market cycle. And it, and it hasn't been until recently where we've seen some of these 
you know, I, I you hear I'm often referring to them as the cyclical parts of the market. So Canada has lots of energy, financials, materials, industrials. Uh, those stocks, those sectors had really lagged. Uh, you know, when we look at the year-to-date performance, energy is down uh, year-to-date. Um, and, 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 you know, the financials and, and banks in particular uh, have been sort of uh, chopping around uh, a little bit. So, um, you know, having some of that exposure uh, in Canada has, has sort of uh, has hurt. And it hasn't been until recently we've seen a little bit of life in sort of the lagging parts of the market. So I think, you know, probably the last time I saw on, we talked about the, the narrowness of the breadth of, of the market returns. That has resolved itself you know, as uh, resolving to the upside as the as the rest of the market sort of been dragged up. Um, and now we're starting to see that sort of bleed into Canada where you're seeing uh, energy stocks act a little bit better, but the oil price is a little acting a little bit better. So uh, that's helpful. Um, interestingly, when you look at the relative returns of the TSX versus the S&P 500, um, the, 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 the first six months of this year, um, ranks amongst the worst six-month period uh, of returns of Canada versus the U.S., which you, you would like to think there's some mean reversion to that uh, trend, but, but really the data is, is uh, and, and you know me, I, I love to look at the stats uh, and the numbers, and, and the data is sort of inconclusive. If anything, you know, when the, the forward six and forward 12-month returns, when we're in these bottom deciles, actually is still negative uh, looking back. History, so it's 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 not a clear pattern. Uh, we'd hope to see some mean reversion, but um, the the relative underperformance could persist uh, for some time. So that's uh, that's maybe a little bit disappointing. And, and, as uh, and I guess look on guess, Canada, I guess that would be in line with what uh, you know we've talked about a lot on this podcast with uh, Stu Kedwell and Sarah Riopelle and Eric Lascelles and others. Uh, j- just in terms of. You know, it, it, it's more likely than not that we have a recession or at least a slowdown uh, in the Western world and a slowdown really all around the world. So that going into the future reduces, slows down the demand for the commodities, the things that Canada produces uh, that, that the world wants. And, you know, the prices go down. And so that's going to be a little bit tough on the, on, on the stocks. And then on the financial service end, a recession is never good. Uh, for banks, but when you have a situation like Canada, where you have, you know, a group of very large banks that really are get, have a lot of get a lot of impact from the the, the, the Canadian economy, or, or the, the Canadian economy has a lot of impact on them. Uh, th- that that's tough on that sector. So that's about fifty percent of the market, and there you go. Yeah, and, and it, it it could go two ways, right? You you could have the scenario that you're talking about, or what's what feels like is being sort of more broadly discussed in the market and, and maybe the stock market is starting to discount, dis, discount this scenario as a whole is that the idea of a soft landing or no landing, or, you know, I, I'm not an economist, so I can't predict uh, these types of outcomes, but, but if we are, if the market is going to continue to sort of discount this, this soft landing uh, type scenario, you could actually see some laggard markets, and some lagging sectors start to participate. You know, the big concern that we had around Canada was that, you know, just that the amount of exposure we have to the sort of more cyclical components of, of the market. And if we were to have a recession, you know, things like energy and banks and, and industrials materials would not, would not do well. And, you know, if we, if we are going to have a soft landing scenario, you could see the market saying, okay, well, if we're having a soft landing, then there's no recession. And those, those more cyclical or economically sensitive 
uh, part, parts of the market could do better. The other thing that um, probably the last time I was on, we talked about how Canada looked cheap, um, but the estimates really hadn't started to reflect some of these concerns. And then, you know, of course, through the course of time, um, that's, that's starting to get reflected. So if you look at the estimate revisions for the TSX down slightly, uh, which, which is, you know, directionally good. Uh, and what's more important is, is those sort of more economically sensitive parts of the market, uh, the estimates are down more significantly. So I think as a whole, TSX uh, earnings are down, the estimates are down maybe 3%. Um, which is not a lot, but that's probably a 10 plus percent swing from where they peaked out, uh, say, maybe a year ago. And now, you know, when you look at the estimate revisions for energy down, you know, 13 percent in the last six months, banks down 8 percent. So you're starting to see the estimates come down. You know, the stock market sort of stocks are forward looking, as we know. So they start to do that first and then the estimates come down after. So we're, we're kind of getting to a place where the TSX does look relatively cheap or reasonably valued, especially when you look at it relative to the U.S., and we've seen those estimates come down. So that's that's a bit of a better setup for us that if we are, you know, whether we go through a mild recession or a soft landing, uh, we, we are sort of setting up for a better risk reward. Now, I would say, um, you know, when we think about our sort of bottom up forecast for the market, you know, we still have you know, the, the risk reward, the downside to our bear case, which would be a recession, just more of a call it garden variety or just more of a, a standard recession. Um, you know, we're still showing downside to that sort of bear case. So we're, you know, I don't know which which one is going to happen. That's, you know, that's why we deal in scenarios. But, um, you know, there is still is some downside to a, a bear case around a recession. But the, you know, if, if the market's, you know, going to assign a higher probability to um, either a soft landing or a no recession type scenario, you know, the, the returns to the upside are, are pretty good as well. So the risk reward is somewhat balanced uh, upside to downside, and there's probably decent returns uh, that would all be sort of caveated by uh, the fact that we, we don't have a recession. Now, the tricky thing is that if we, if we look back into whether the earlier part of the, this year or really the big the big opportunity, you know, in the late fall uh, was that the market was discounting more of a recession type scenario um, than, than we are today. So even though the estimates have come down, the market's gone up a little bit. So we actually, if you, if you, you know, if you want to get upside returns from here, you actually need the soft landing or you need the no recession scenario. Yes. So the risk reward is, is, is not terrible. Uh, but it's not super attractive. Uh, so we're sort of, you know, somewhat a bit neutral and, and still, you know, our ability to predict recessions is not great or predict no recessions is, is not very great either. So we just sort of live within that scenario analysis and, and look at the risk reward. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, you've seen the multiple expand a little bit uh, again, reflective of that, uh, that thought that it's uh, you know, you may not have a, you may have a soft landing and, and earnings revisions, although down, have probably not come down as much as you would expect or think that they would. Uh, were we in the midst of a recession or, or, or going to have a recession? So it's been a it, it's been one of these odd, uh, very uh, very disrespected rally. 
in, 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 in the stock market. But uh, when we look at actual earnings, and again, just to provide some perspective on, on your comments as we shift gears and we're going to take uh, more of a specific look at, uh, at the energy sector, you, you, you've seen some of the reports uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks from some of the large producers at all, at, at all ends of the, the production uh, line of, uh, of, of energy. Uh, you've seen a lot of those, uh, those earnings come in you know, 30 to 50% down year over year, which, uh, which looks awful, uh, except to say that the, the earnings that you had a year ago were just not, there was no possible way yeah. they were going to be sustained, uh, you know, or, or, we, or, we'd be, or we'd be talking about a really, really severe recession because you'd have to have $125 uh, energy prices over an extended period of time to do that. So, so w- with that, um, we've seen a bit of a comeback in, in, in oil prices uh, and uh, gas prices, natural gas prices, you know, again, across the whole energy spectrum. So, so w- what, what are your thoughts about, uh, about energy from here? Yeah, and I think, you know, I think you bring up a good point that the, the earnings for energy companies are, are down, you know, 50%. There was a large super major reported their earnings this morning that I think they were down 70% year over year. So that's, that's a lot of it. That is commodity driven. Um, and so while the, the actual earnings year over year are down, the, 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 the results are, are exceeding uh, analyst expectations. So that's a good, that's kind of the most important thing. And I think in the past we've talked about whether it's the energy cycle or commodity cycles in general, we have to understand that these are very long-term cycles in nature. And they, you know, the, I think, you know, uh, last time I was on, I was talking about how the investment cycle for these stocks matches the sort of the capital cycle. Like, so if you're building an oil, uh, building new oil production or building a new copper mine, it takes a long time for that to occur. And, and so there can be lots of volatile sort of moves up and down through these investment cycles, but the, the commodity cycles and resource cycles tend to be long in nature. And within those cycles, it's actually quite normal to have sort of interim drawdowns of the 30 to 40% type range, which, which is sort of what we've seen. If you think back to a year ago or just over a year ago, you know, oil prices peaked around early June of, of last year. And, and since then, we've had a fairly significant drawdown um, and they're starting to recover. And the stocks, you know, did the same. So a couple of dynamics at play is that, you know, the stocks have sort of corrected the, again, going back to the analyst estimates, um, you know, the estimates have come down. You know, we, one of the things we track is the um, analysts, the consensus forecasts for different commodities relative to the futures curve. And so what happened was when oil prices spiked up last year, the analysts sort of took their numbers higher and then it corrected down. And then, of course, the analysts are much slower in sort of chasing that number down, but that gap has closed considerably. And so now we have oil prices around $80 for, for, for WTI, and the consensus forecast is, is roughly the same, or, or maybe it's just, uh, it's, it's just a little bit higher. So we're actually, that gap is closed. The expectations for the analysts have come down uh, to match the commodity, and so that's so yes, the commodity is down a lot year over year, but the estimates are sort of more in line with what's happening right now. So that's that's good for the sort of go forward. You know, will companies exceed expectations or not? Um, the same. I guess the other so, thing, just to yeah. just, just just sort of interrupt you, but um, I, I guess one of the other factors in terms of the stocks as well, 
uh, and which, which has made investing for you in this sector, and, and we'll get to the climate concerns because that's always at the back end of this, so don't, uh, don't anybody leave unhappy because I'm, I'm, I'm throwing the positive investing in the, in the sector before we talk about the, uh, the, the, the focus on climate and the transition in energy. But a lot of these companies are, are, are doing a fantastic job of uh, paying dividends and, or paying back to their shareholders, either through dividends or buybacks, right? Yes, the, the discipline in the sector has, has been quite uh, astounding, really, if you think back over the last number of years. The energy sector and, and resources in general have a relatively poor track record of, of, you know, sort of being disciplined around their capital spending. And, you know, there's, um, again, this is not great podcasting, but the, there's a chart that we like to show that kind of shows the last time oil was around $80, the companies were spending significantly much uh, higher levels of their cash flow on building new projects, bringing on new supply, and we're taking on actually taking on more debt and issuing more shares to do it. Now, you know, we've seen the oil price correct um, and normalize to sort of this eighty or you know uh, level, but the and and the amount of capital that the energy companies are spending has gone up a little bit. Part of it is just sort of making up for you know some some maintenance and some, you know, projects or spending that they probably should have done through the pandemic when oil was extremely low. So they're sort of making up for it. Also, some inflation has worked its way through. So, you know, if you see charts of, you know, oil and gas capital spending or investment, it's gone up, but it's still significantly below its peak from 10 years ago. And then, of course, the rest of that cash flow has gone to share buybacks, dividend increases, special dividends, and debt reduction. Now, um, a couple of other sort of thoughts. So the, the companies are being more disciplined. And then we, you know, you mentioned to it, there's a, there's a new feature or a new sort of uh, issue to address in the energy sector and, and, and across all commodities, in fact, but, but energy sort of is at the forefront of it, is on emissions. And a lot of the oil and gas companies have sort of you know, repositioned or sort of reset their forecast for oil and gas production growth and sort of set as a priority emission reduction over new supply growth. So that's that's had a couple of implications. One is on the oil price because you're not bringing on new supply, even though demand is still quite strong. And two, around sort of how the companies are behaving. And, you know, we often get the question, you know, will Canada... Uh, you know, talking about energy transition, you know, because our economy is so exposed to the oil and gas sector, to the energy sector, you know, will Canada, uh, is energy transition a, a negative headwind for Canada, for the Canadian energy sector, for the Canadian stock market, and for the economy as a whole? And I think there's a view, and, and it might be misunderstood, or, you know, my, my view might be slightly different, is that actually Canada is really well positioned to participate and benefit from energy transition. So there's a couple pieces to it. One is the companies themselves, all the Canadian, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of the large Canadian oil and gas companies have set net zero targets. So that, you know, that's quite ambitious given the level of emissions that they generate today, but they have set net zero targets. It's a long way out. I think they set 2050 as a, as a guideline, but they are sort of moving towards this target of being a net zero uh, producer of oil and gas. And then the next piece is that, you know, when we think about energy capital spending, 
the next 10 to 20 years is going to look drastically different than the last 20 years. So the next energy cycle is going to look very different than the last energy cycle. The last energy cycle, you know, if $100 billion was spent, it was spent on building oil sands mines, drilling shale wells, building new pipelines, uh, gas plants. The next, you know, decade, the next $100 billion of CapEx is going to be spent in the energy sector. There'll be some oil and gas sort of upstream production, but it, a lot of it's going to go towards carbon capture, sequestration, uh, LNG uh, export, um, improved efficiency, um, uh, re- emissions reductions. Uh, when we, if we include all forms of energy, including electricity, renewables, et cetera, then you'll see a, you know, a huge increase in, in sort of a broad definition of energy capex or capital spending. Uh, you'll see that increase over time. It's just going to look a lot different than it did over the last energy cycle. So I actually think that Canada, you know, just because, uh, you know, we have exposure to the oil and gas sector uh, as our, in our economy and in our markets, but the fact that the, 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 the companies within that sector are very focused on partic- being an active participant in energy transition, whether it's building out renewables, building out the sort of the, the bits of infrastructure that's required to get to net zero, you know, that's going to have a positive implications for our economy because, um, you know, that's going to put people to work. There's going to be lots of engineering work to be done. Equipment's going to be required. Um, so that capital spending is, is uh, you know, doesn't often happen without a return attached to it. So that'll be great for investors. It'll be great for banks lending money to these companies. It'll be great for uh, employment and, and all the sort of the second, secondary uh, uh, effects on the Canadian economy. So I actually think the energy transition is not a headwind for the Canadian economy and for the Canadian stock market. I actually think it's a huge opportunity. So that's something I think that sometimes gets misunderstood by the market. Yeah, and you know because you talk to the uh, to the leaders of these companies, the uh, the executive teams, and 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 I I talk I spend a lot of time in Alberta as I travel across Canada, and and I I, I end up bumping into more of the employees and that who, you, you know they, they you talk about that discipline in terms of the way they the the energy companies. This is all over the world, but I think Canada really gets a a, a particularly a, a, you know big gold star for. Um, they're really committed to. You know, managing the businesses in a more disciplined fashion, which you talk to, and very clearly understand they need to to be in front of this transition. But there's an opportunity for them to lead that transition as well, and and take that understanding elsewhere. and And it's another stream. Uh, it's it's another way for them to grow their businesses as 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 you move forward. Yeah, I think um, you know if you know they're goal of being a net zero uh, producer of oil and gas appears to be fairly ambitious today, but that's our job as a, as a engaged shareholders um, to, to sort of, uh, you know, speak with the companies and, and get updates. Like what is, what are they actually doing and holding them accountable to these plans? Um, but I, I, I agree. I think there's a, there's a significant opportunity uh, for these companies to, to, not only survive and be sustainable over the long term, but it's actually going to be uh, uh, have positive follow-on effects to to the economy, and 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 will be good for the for for the the Canadian stock market as well. And, you know, uh, we we talked about that sort of long-term relationship of 
of commodities versus stocks. And uh, we've, we've just gone through a really strong period for over the last sort of 10 years of stocks outperforming commodities. And that's, you know, there's had a number of effects, uh, you know, uh, that follow on from that. A lot of it is under investment, you know, the, the, the com commodity companies, the, the producers, you know, unsure about long-term demand, unsure about uh, the cost that's required to bring on new supplies. So they've been underinvesting um, over the last 10 years. And, and that's starting to sort of, the rubber's starting to hit the road on that. And we, as we move forward, we may be heading into a period of, you know, we're, we're going to actually need to reinvest. It might be a different form of reinvestment. Like I, I talked about the last energy cycle um, was, is, you know, the next energy cycle is going to be very different from the last. And so maybe it's, you know, we're, we're producing, uh, we're doing carbon capture and renewables and um, charging stations and uh, copper and lithium, as opposed to oil and, um, you know, what the, what the, what the previous cycles were fo focused on. So there's some, you know, coal, et cetera. So things that were part of the last commodity cycle may not participate in, in the next commodity cycle, but they're, you know, these, these ten these cycles tend to work in sort of long-term fashion. And, um, and, and we potentially could be on the doorstep of, of a, a fairly long uh, cycle in, in terms of commodity prices, resource investment. And, and I do think that's going to be good for Canada and the Canadian market. Yeah, I mean, what's what's excited for Canada is we know we know one thing: it's a big place, and we got a lot of this stuff. It's just uh, it, it's relatively hard to get at, or has been hard to get at. Technology keeps improving, and so we're going to be able to, as as we move forward, get at some of this stuff. Not necessarily oil, but uh, other things that are going to help us in that transition, and that that's going to be good for the Canadian economy, as you say. That's right, and hopefully, uh, it's good for the Canadian economy, good for the Canadian stock market good for our clients portfolios as well and you know what's going to be good for you tomorrow scott i'm coming downtown to buy you a coffee we're going to go back Can't to wait. one of our old one of our old haunts we'll get a we'll get a nice espresso and uh maybe maybe a maybe a, a cooler drink for you to, so you can manage the heat then might hot have to latte. do a cold a cold brew or something like that cold brew in the afternoon of that i the, the 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 time difference catches up to me in the afternoon so uh, i'll i'll be ready Perfect. Well, I'll be there for you, and uh, thank you for, uh, for for joining us today on the uh, on the download. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management Inc. for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.